Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Today, my guest is Rory Cowan, partner with BKF & Co. Morning, Rory. Good morning. Now, Ballantyne, Kirkwood, France & Co, as they're fully known, were established in 1785. So can you tell our listeners a bit more about the history of the company and what services they specialise in? Bannatine's, oh, it's uh, obviously a very old um, partnership. It's, I think we're probably one of the oldest continuing partnerships, certainly in the West Coast, um, if not the whole of um, Scotland. Uh, services we are traditionally or, or, or generally regarded as being a media law firm. Um, we do a lot of um, work with particularly print media, so lots of newspapers, but also television, um, as well as sort of reputation management and defamation work for high profile individuals or um, that kind of thing. Um, beyond that, we also have quite a quite a lot because we're an old firm we have quite a large trust practice so lots of um, large trusts like the borough trust in, in glasgow um so we look after lots of very old family trusts but we have that old yeah. and new edge with the with the media side of stuff too now you've got over 18 years experience in commercial and property litigation so why did you choose to specialize in these areas you know just tell us a bit more about your career to date <sighs> Choosing is probably a strong word. Um, I, I think it's one of these things. I don't think many people start out life thinking I'm going to be a, a, commer a boring commercial property lawyer or commercial litigator. Um, that sort of stuff kind of finds you by accident um, in many ways. Um, I think when I first started law, I had dreams that I would be um, a sort of um, do criminal law and go to the, the bar and be, a, be an advocate and do criminal law at the bar. But the realities of, of practice sort of weigh, weigh you down and you realise that other opportunities present themselves or rather work put, gets put in front of you and you start dealing with it and you start learning how to do it um, and hopefully at one point I will learn how to do it properly. So. <laughs> well, you know, with all the changes just now regarding the PRS, you know, um, the changes due to the pandemic, it is quite a confusing landscape for landlords and tenants alike and on the 29th and 30th of March this year two acts came into force. So some legislation reverted back and some has been extended further. Can you explain to landlords and tenants you know, what these recent changes mean for, for notice periods? Well, yes, I mean, unless you've been living in a, in a cave for the last couple of years, then, then you will be aware that we've had um, emergency coronavirus legislation that has lasted for two years um, and you know there's been a move there's been some changes in amongst all that but more recently at the end of end of March what we had was two pieces of legislation that came through I won't bore you with the, the full names of them um, but effectively what one bit of legislation did was bring some of the emergency provisions to an end and the other bit of legislation continued some of the the emergency provisions. What came to an end were the extended notice periods, so um, the six months for rent arrears, for example, or if we're talking about an older tenancy um, for Section 33, which is a landlord's automatic right to recover possession of a short-assured tenancy, that went back from six months down to, to two months. 
Um, and in relation to rent arrears, if we're talking about private residential tenancies, that reduced back down to the, from six months to 28 days. And for short assured or assured tenancies, that would mean potentially 14 days notice. So we got the old or the, the extended notice periods came to an end and we reverted back to what we had pre-pandemic. What was continued, um, the two main things that were continued that will affect the PRS um, were the... Um, the continuation of the loss of the, any mandatory grounds, so all mm -hmm. grounds of possession, regardless of PRT, um, assured or short assured tenancy, or even a regulated tenancy, all grounds are discretionary and remain so. And we have still got the, the pre-action requirements for rent arrears recoveries, which are still in place and will remain in place through to the end of September of mm -hmm. this year under um, these coronavirus, um, the Extension Act or Amendment of Expiry Dates Act, so regulation, sorry. Um, so the landscape has changed to a certain extent. We're back to what we would class as normal notice periods, um, but we are still in the, the brave new world of um, no mandatory grounds mm -hmm. and the pre-action requirements. Mm -hmm. And are there any points in particular that should be noted then? Uh, only, the only thing I would say in relation to the, the reversion back to the old notice periods is that we... Um, we're back under the, the, the pre-COVID um, rules, pre-COVID rules in relation to if you make mistakes in relation to the notice period. So if you, uh, previously, if you got the, uh, too, too little notice or too much notice potentially, then under the, the previous rules, then there could be problems with those notice, notices. The coronavirus um, uh, rules changed that and allowed a lot more um, flexibility, if I can put it that way. Um, the only other, the only other thing to, to bear in mind is if that if you have already served the notice under the old rules, and you think the, the shorter periods of, are now here, um, I'd like to take advantage of those. You can't basically. Mm -hmm. You can't serve a new notice and take advantage of the shorter periods for the yeah. same grounds as you've already served an old one. So those are the two main things to to think about in terms of the um, the changeover. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's. We're still in discretionary grounds. We still have the pre-action requirements, albeit we're back to the original notice periods. Okay. Well, you mentioned that some of the emergency coronavirus provisions would be extended until 30th of September this year. So what happens after that date? Um, it's a good question. Uh, we, it's not entirely clear. I mean, the, the current batch of coronavirus um, restrictions can, on the face of it, can only only be extended or can only run until the 30th of September. Um, we obviously had previous legislation that should have been over a long time ago and that was extended further, so it could be extended further. But we, we certainly have the, um, the coronavirus recovery bill, which is sitting um, in the legislation at the moment, which I think is still at its first stage of the, of the, of the, the, the bill process. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is sitting there, which will which if it goes into into effect, and there's no reason to think it won't, to be honest, with the current political makeup of the Scottish Parliament, um, that we will lose mandatory grounds permanently and we will also be um, adopting the pre-action requirements for rent arrears recoveries. And the suspicion or the expectation is that come September, that bill will become an act mm -hmm. and those provisions will be extended further so that we will keep things as they are currently effectively. Same notice periods, but loss of mandatory grounds and the retention of the pre-action requirements. Okay, okay. So this bill goes through successfully. 
um, which you obviously think it, think it will. What implications will these changes have on the PRS in terms of, say for example, what would happen if a situation arises where a tenanted property was being repossessed by the lender? Um, again, it's, a, it's an interesting question because the issue here is that if, if we are to maintain, and I think we will maintain um, all grounds being discretionary, one of the grounds, ground two, for, um, in both in both the 1988 Act and the 2016 Act is allows mortgage lenders to repossess properties where they've where the, the owner or the landlord has gone into mortgage default, and normally those grounds are are, are mandatory, um, so that a mortgage lender is guaranteed possession. And I think I, I think one one interesting aspect of it is that if a mortgage lender is not guaranteed to get possession. And if they were to apply to the tribunal, and for some reason the tribunal thought, no, we're not going to evict this family, there could be very particular circumstances mm -hmm. about the tenants in those circumstances, you could have a situation where a mortgage lender is effectively forced to be a landlord right. um, in circumstances where A, they don't want to be, and say, and and, and B, they, they're not equipped to be, mm -hmm. for example, you might not be registered as, registered as a landlord. Now, of course, there are, there are provisions and there are sort of six-month period that allows um, mortgage lenders to, to register, but, but it could cause um, some issues in relation to lenders. Um, and again, that will depend on how the tribunal approaches these mm -hmm. types of possessions. And one would hope that in those circumstances, the tribunal would take the view that it is reasonable grant an eviction rather than force a you know, a large um, lender yeah. um, to become a landlord and deal with block toilets and, and things like that on a regular basis. I mean, do you think this will discourage investment in the PRS? I think it's probably not for me to say um, whether whether it will or whether it won't drive investment. Um, I think there's a general consensus that it's not going to help encourage people to come in. Um, into the sector in Scotland. I mean, there are broader issues in terms of what's potentially coming down the line, um, which I think we'll talk about in, in a moment, that mm -hmm. that would be probably of as much, if not more, concern to anyone looking to invest in, in Scotland or looking at how favourable it is. Um, and I think there there is some anecdotal evidence, um, and I'm, I'm thinking about my own parents in, in this, um, that... People are looking at the private rented sector in Scotland and saying, "No thanks." Mm -hmm. uh, I hope not, um, but you know, I think the more unfriendly uh, a sector is perceived to be, whether it is or whether it isn't, that's not for me to to judge. Um, but it's more unfriendly it's perceived to be, then it goes stands to reason that that um, investment or investors will will look at other jurisdictions that are perceived to be less unfriendly towards mm -hmm. landlords or investment. And I think, you know, time will tell yeah. on that. I mean, I think there was a lot, there was a big outcry when the 2016 Act came in um, and the new PRT was introduced. And in particular with the, the loss of Section 33, you know, the landlord's mm -hmm. automatic right to recover possession, that when, when that was effectively lost in the context of the PRT, um, people were saying it will drive landlords away. And actually, I don't think it has. Right. I think, I think the, the grounds as they were were robust enough to allow landlords and lenders the comfort to know that they could recover possession. But of course, in that context, we were talking about mandatory grounds for possession, for example, if a landlord wanted to sell the property um, or if they wanted to live in the property. Um, 
or if the tenant was in substantial rent arrears. And I think the important thing that the government will have to try and do is get the balance right mm -hmm. in this to, in order to protect landlords' rights to, to their properties and give tenants the rights that are required to protect their interests. Mm -hmm. Whether what the government is saying is going too far one way or the other, well, I'll let others judge that. And I'm sure there are plenty that will give the, give their views on that. Um, but I think I think I, I think I'm looking at it and going. I, I'd be I'm not sure how how it would be perceived by people who are looking to invest. Um, I can't see it being people thinking yes, this is a really good idea. But time will tell. Okay. Well, forming part of the Scottish Government's Housing Strategy 2040 document, an agreement with the Greens has been made to deliver what they call a new deal for tenants as part of the rented sector strategy. Now, included in the proposed, proposed reforms is to implement a national system of rent controls on the PRS. What do you think this will mean for landlords and property investors? You know, what, what would be your, your advice to current landlords or investors looking to expand in the PRS? Well, I think, I think I'm aware, obviously, I, I, when you looked at the the original route map or roadmap for the two, two, through to 2040, rent controls wasn't in that. And this is very much something that has been introduced following the involvement of the, the Green Party and on the housing side of things. Um, details on, on the proposed rent controls are pretty scant at the moment. Um, the Scottish Government appears to be at a, a fact-finding stage. One thing I would say is, as things stand, we are getting rent controls. What we don't know is what they will look like. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I suppose the, the question about investment and what impact it will have for landlords really can't be assessed until we know the details of it. I mean, are, are they going to be material rent controls? Are they materially going to affect the, the market rent for a property at the outset, which will lessen the attractiveness of the of, of investing in the, the private rented sector? At this stage, I don't know if we can answer that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not aware, and I think I'm, I, I listened to a talk at, um, at an event um, a few weeks ago, but I'm about rent controls and their historic use. I'm just not that aware that there's been any way that they work successfully and achieved what they're designed to achieve. But again, it's probably not for me to comment particularly, but, but I think rent controls are, are a worrying factor for landlords, but I think at this stage we have to see what they look like. But at the moment, the Scottish Government is committed to some kind of rent controls of some, some shape or another, and it isn't just in relation to controlling increases in rent. I think they're looking at controlling the initial rent and how how that will, will impact will depend on what it looks like in the, in, in the grand scheme of things. And we just don't have that detail yeah. at this stage. So I think probably a in, more interesting question to have a look at when we see the consultation yeah. of what the proposals actually are. Um, and then they can be looked at and analysed. Statistically, the Scottish Government doesn't really have the figures, as I understand mm -hmm. it, and they're looking mm -hmm. at gathering that information as part of landlord it's registration. Felt it wasn't successful yeah. recently yet. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I think they're looking at gathering information um, through the landlord registration process, mm -hmm. which will allow them to analyse what impact rent controls might have. Again, I think we're, we're guessing. I think it's certainly there, and they appear to be committed to doing so, and I think um, with by 2025. So... Uh, I think the sector needs to keep an eye on this yeah. and look at look at any consultations and feedback their views on those consultations and what impact that may have. 
Um, and I know the likes of um, Property Mark are, are looking at these things yeah. and getting um, information to, to deal with responses to that. And I think the industry has to look at it and take it seriously because it could have the potential to be quite a significant impact um, in, in Scotland. Um, and in terms of investment, well, if it's a very material impact on a landlord's ability to charge rent, then it only stands to reason that it will make new entrants into the market um, less enthusiastic I don't mm. think you can you know if you be likes of build to rent in your yeah well I mean yeah. the build the build to rent tends to be more mid-market which tends to be a lower rent mm. anyway so it depends mm -hmm. how that might be affected but there is definitely a sense from the industry that the Scottish government is more interested in that sector mm -hmm. in terms of providing housing and the private for for non-social housing if yeah. I can put it that way mm -hmm. um, rather than your average um, landlord who may have one or two flats Mm -hmm. um, but there is still always going to be a place for the private rented sector. There's always going to be people who who need temporary or short-term accommodation because they're between houses or they're moving or they're relocating and, and so on. So there will always be a, sect, uh, a, a place for the sector. Mm -hmm. um, the question is what it's going to look like after the Scottish Government is finished with their more their New Deal for tenants, um, as, as, as they're calling it. Um, and that at this stage is still pretty unknown. Well, let's talk about rent arrears because there's considerable advice out there for tenants and rent arrears, you know, that are having difficulty paying the rent, but possibly not so much for landlords who are owed rent. So obviously a landlord prefers not to resort to eviction. However, if a landlord's exhausted all, all steps, they may be forced to take this action. Can you just explain a little bit more about the rent arrears process? Because it's not just simply a case of rent arrears for a couple of months. It's, you know, it's got to be a certain... Like three months have got to be shown to have taken other steps. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I suppose there are two sides to that. One, one is the eviction side, and the other is the actual recovery of of rent arrears or an attempt to recover um, rent arrears. As you say, it will it will depend on on the type of tenancy that we're talking about. Um, with with ground twelve, which applies for private residential tenancies, and the rent there must be some rent arrears for three consecutive months. Now that rent arrears could be a pound, um, as long as there's some for three consecutive months, then ground 12 is, is brought into play. Um, there used to be a mandatory element to it, that if the total arrears at the time the tribunal were considering it were one month or more, or equivalent to one month or more rent, then, then it would be a mandatory ground. That is obviously gone at the moment temporarily, but with the bill sitting in the wings, that looks like it's going permanently. So the level of the arrears is irrelevant and, and the, the issue, well, not irrelevant, sorry, that's, that's a misstatement. Um, the level of the arrears is, is not going to affect the question of mandatory nature of the ground because there won't be any mandatory nature for the ground. So the process is you, you have to wait your, your three consecutive months, then you have to serve your notice to leave. Now, obviously, there are requirements under the, the pre-action requirements to engage with the tenant and point them in the right direction so they can get help for funding or government assistance, etc., which may, may, may assist. Um, some tenants will engage and some will, will work with landlords. And in those circumstances, actually, you know what? Most landlords won't evict. Mm -hmm. um, the trouble is uh, probably a larger proportion, and maybe I'm, I'm slightly cynical about this because I deal with the, the situations where the tenants haven't engaged, so that's generally what I see. Mm -hmm. um, more tenants will... will bury their heads in the sand and ignore all attempts to contact or to reach them or engage with them. And if you do that, when when the notices expire and you'll have a, currently a 28-day notice period for rent arrears for PRTs, possibly 14 days for 
sh um, short shoot or shoot tendencies. After that, then you're off to the tribunal, mm -hmm. um, and then you're into into that process, um, which is discretionary. Mm -hmm. um, there is, if you're talking about assured tenancies, there, there's a, there, there are three rent arrears grounds. There's grounds 8, 11, and 12. 11 and 12 are some rent arrears, and there's been persistent delays in paying the arrears. Ground 8 is the the tenant has been arrears for, sorry, the, the total arrears are three, three months. To be honest, with all grounds being discretionary, I don't know why any landlord would wait to rely on ground 8 now, because all you're doing is waiting three months and then serving your notices. Um, now, you may as well just rely on grounds 11 and 12 anyway because they're all discretionary and they make no difference. The only thing that will be relevant, I suppose, will be the level of the arrears. Um, the higher the level of the arrears, the more chance the tribunal will take the view it's reasonable to evict. Yeah. Um, very very low level arrears then. You may be struggling to get an eviction, if, particularly if a tenant engages, or in fact, even if they don't engage, mm -hmm. um, the tribunal seems at the moment to be quite reluctant to grant evictions um, for, for low level arrears, yeah. um, which there may be some merit in that um, and if you're talking about recovering so, arrears yeah, then just about to ask that for the recovery you know navigating the way actually also through a tribunal process well I mean normally normally if you're initiating a, a recovery an eviction action for uh, rent arrears based sorry based on rent arrears apologies then um, you initiate the, the the application for a payment order at the same time they're separate applications mm -hmm. they have to be done by separate forms One's a form E for eviction, one's a form F for payment. Um, don't ask me why it's a form F, but um, and but they run at the same time. So they, they although they're technically separate actions, they run together and they yeah. go to the same stage. You, you can, of course, raise them differently. So if, for example, you, your tenant's in arrears, but you hasn't been in arrears for three consecutive months, you can actually start the rent arrears recovery right. um, before that. So, but yeah, again, it's, it's you just, lodge your application, you go through the tribunal process. The only thing I would say about the rent arrears recovery, the actual recovery of a payment order, it's not subject to reasonableness. So if there are rent arrears and that's proved or established or accepted by the tenant, then you shouldn't be entitled to a payment order. Mm -hmm. And then you're left to enforce it in the normal way, um, which means sheriff officers and possible earning arrestments and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, moving on to briefly talk about EPC requirements because it's been reported that many landlords are confused with the legislation regarding proposed EPC levels. So there's been various changes just over the past few years. So can you just clarify what, and obviously it's just proposals, what the new proposals are that are being discussed? Um, there, there, this is a bit of a, a bit of a no, I wouldn't say grey area. Um, what we had prior to the pandemic was we had a proposal, or and went as far as after we had a consultation, then we went into draft regulations which were published prior to the pandemic, and the proposal at that stage was to to go into uh, a phased um, energy efficiency type um, model where we would go to EPC rating D first. And then EPC mm -hmm. and rating C, and there was to be cost caps and timescales for all that to be done. Pandemic came along, and Scottish government put that all on hold. Said we've got other fish to fry, so to speak, yes. um, and that was sitting in the background. And it's been rumbling along for the last couple of couple of years, as I understand it. And this isn't set in stone, so um, um, I, I can, it may not happen. But it does it does appear in the new deal for tenants. Um, consultation. As I understand it, the, the, the proposal now is to go straight to a, a minimum band C for, uh, for, for 
private residential tenants, sorry, for private sector tenancies. Mm -hmm. That has changed of tenancy by 2025 um, and all tenancies to meet that standard by 2028. Okay. Um, that is, as I understand at the moment, it's there's to be a further consultation and further draft regulations to be produced. So what I say may prove to be completely inaccurate. Um, and um, when we see the consultation, we'll see what, what, what the proposals are if they ever come to anything. But, right. but if they do come along, I think there will still be cost caps. So landlords will still only have to spend up to a certain amount to meet that standard. And if the property can't meet the standard, they will be able to register the property as exempt. Right. So there will still be caps and um, um, exemptions if the property is incapable of meeting that standard. Brilliant. Well, listen, that's been um, a really useful update. Thank you. It's been great having you on. But moving Thank aside you. from property, because I've been told, Lord's well, told me you've got a few hidden talents up your sleeve. <laughs> I've heard that you are uh, quite good with the sword and also the pipes. Uh, good's probably a, a strong word for, for either of those. But yeah, no, I, I, I have... Um, I have in the past, a very long time ago, feels like a different lifetime mm -hmm. um, now. But yes, I did do quite a lot of fencing when I was when I was younger. Um, yeah, there were some medals involved, is that right? Um, yeah, I did okay. You've been a bit modest, aren't you? Well, maybe, maybe. Don't, 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 like, don't like to say, but <laughs> I, again, it seems a bit ridiculous um, to talk about things that were over 20 years ago. But uh, um, and, and yeah, playing the bagpipes, I can't profess to any great expertise or any great enthusiasm for it now, but they get dusted down for the odd, the odd wedding and burns night, and sometimes even. Be able to hire. No, well, yeah, well it depends. If, if the money's right, so then, then no doubt. <laughs> You'll get bed for like under fifteen thousand. Well, no, it's an early rate, you know. So that's why. But no, I, I, yeah, it's 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 been a while ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, we can't. But life, life takes over, and um, family takes over. Yeah. So it it all becomes a bit a bit like a memory, a faded memory now. Um, but yeah, yeah it's oh. been good. Well, listen, thank you very much. Okay, well, thank, thank you. you. I'm Gillian Semler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk. Thank you.